Hey everyone, this is Amy Steele, also known as Ginny, from Friday the 13th, part two. And when I'm not studying up on child psychology, I'm listening to the Nightmare Junkhead podcast. out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that thoroughly enjoys bully comeuppance my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode our celebration of women in horror continues as we head back to maine to experience a little deja vu as we talk mary lambert's pet cemetery 2 and you don't have to be a horror icon to listen into our show simply search for nightmare junkhead wherever podcasts are played Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your furry nightmare hole. (laughs) Of course, you can follow us out on social media. We're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And of course, it is on the Book of Face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and cyber shenanigans. And as this episode is releasing on Friday, February 19th, Screenland Armor, they have your genre needs taken care of indoors and virtually. And as this episode, this one on Friday, on the 19th, Fuck yeah. if you are in the Kansas City area, if you are in the surrounding area, you want to make sure, if you are only for here for one Friday night fright. And one Friday night, then this is the one you need to be at. Royalty will be in the house. All hail the GGP! We are going to be experiencing the Kansas City public premiere of Jill Gavargazian's The Stylist. Yes, now everybody gets to see 50 foot my ass twerking in the middle of everything. Our apologies in advance. And I do have it on good authority that the royalty will be in the house. Jill will be there. I do believe co-writer Eric Havens will be there. Oh, it's going to be an event. It's going to be rad. We are going to do a little socially distanced Q&A afterwards. What the fuck, Claire? (laughs) And of course, if you can't make it on the 19th, I do believe there is going to be another screening on the 22nd. Mm Mm-hmm. And I also believe Jill's going to be there as well. I'm so stoked that we have our Midwest has our own maniac. <laughs> yeah. We got instead of I'll take Najara Townsend over Joe Spinell any day. I, I think many of us would out there. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, of the other genre fair we have at Screenland that weekend, uh, we have Tim Burton's Mars Attacks. Which, if you show up early enough, I promise you, you will get that particular Slim Whitman song in the (laughs) pre-show. Hopefully your head will not pop. I fucking love that movie so much. And what's going to be actually a first-time viewing for me, which I think for some people is very shameful, so I might have my... Is the the nun coming out? She might come out for this one, but Drop Dead Fred... Oh, fuck! That movie is sweet! We're going to dress up like... uh, We're going to dress up as burglars. We're going to wear stripy sweaters and brusted browns. Dude, we put snot face. We're not going to wear any panties. It's going to be fucking dope. So genius. I love... (laughs) I love... Back in the the live action hosting days, fucking when I hosted Drop Dead Fred, so much fun. Still holds up. So much heart. Phoebe Cates is wonderful in it. The shenanigans. Rick Mayall is fucking bonkers in this i love this movie drop dead fred 
Fuck yes, not face. Well, and the, the best part was putting together a little bit of the pre-show. I did include some of the young ones out there. So I hopefully the Rick Mayall, you know, diehards will appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But one then that. Did you put in the sad, like, you know, I don't celebrate Christmas anymore. You know why? You know, my father is like. <laughs> I just like Adrian the Punk myself. <laughs> okay. Now, a film then also that's screening and one that I saw in the theater. And oh, my goodness, I can't believe I saw this in the theater because technically I skipped school to go see it. And I think I was probably a sophomore in high school, so I, I'm dating myself here. We're going to go live in a new Jack City. Sweet. See, you skipped school to go see shit, cool shit like New Jack City, which for our musical taste would, think, would be more along the lines of what I did. I skipped school to go see fucking Bring It On. So I don't know what that says. Yeah, yeah no, right, exactly. right. It's, there, it's cold in the atmosphere. Get the toros out of here. Too many goddamn toros and clovers. Shit. Now, of course, if you are not ready to go indoors, we totally understand. And Screenland can actually support you virtually as well. You can head over to ScreenlandOnline.com to rent a number of films, including one PG Psycho Goreman. Maybe you will like Hunky Boys. Oh, you truly will like some Hunky Boys, as I believe all of us do now. Play some Chrissy Ball. <laughs> I was wrapped up in my blanket the other day. I saw my my little reflection in the mirror, and I started doing the crazy ball. <laughs> and I woke my dog up multiple times, which I feel bad because she's in her twilight Poor years. Dog. And I know. She, uh-huh. And I was just, and I could not help myself. There is something about the visage of that that is just so freaking wonderful. So definitely make sure to experience a number of films and also support a great local company here in a time of need. Yes. Now, here in the month of February, we have been celebrating women in horror, and the last two films, and the last, I should say the last two episodes at this point, Genius, (laughs) have been very dour. Very, very dour. Extremely dour. (laughs) Well, and you know, we like to, you know, we're always very much a podcast of positivity. We, you know, the, the films that we talk, the films that we feature, we enjoy, we champion, but not all of them are zany and wacky. Right. None of them, not all of them have hunky boys in them. No. Some of them, <laughs> if they do, they're beheaded yeah. in not, not fun ways. They don't all lend themselves to wacky discussions. <laughs> Thankfully, though, I'm thinking potentially the, the, the episode today could veer that way. And thankfully, there's going to be some shenanigans, I think, that are going to happen. Now, anyone that listens to the podcast knows Genius doesn't really listen to podcasts. Mm-mm. I don't, at all. I, don't, I barely <laughs> listen to ours, except for quality controllers. Shit, I forgot. Like, oh, yeah, I did say that. <laughs> now, I, on the other hand, I am the socially awkward introvert. So I've got a weekly rotation. I've got my Monday, my Tuesday, my Wednesday. Every Every day of the week is covered. And what I love then on Thursdays, I have an especially good thing to look forward to. And I'm very excited here because uh, you can hear our next guest over at the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. And like I said, every Thursday, Genius, they let me know what's keeping them creepy, which is therefore keeping me creepy and in tune with all the great things in the horror world. They've got so much Canadian charm. They might as well have been extras in My Bloody Valentine. Please welcome, for the first time, for two Nightmare Junkhead, from the Nightmare on Film Street podcast, Kim and John. Hey! Thank you guys so much for having us. That was a wonderful intro. I know, I want to be part of My Bloody Valentine, hello! 
I have enough flannel for the costuming. I could definitely do it. Denim on denim, flannel, we're ready. <laughs> had I known, I would have pro- provided some moose head and we would have been good. <laughs> but no. So much in the laundromat, everywhere. Everywhere, sponsored by Moosehead. Her- <laughs> the drink of choice. The only drink for Harry Warden. <laughs> I can just see the, yeah, I can see the commercials. He's just opening up six packs with his pickaxe. Just, psh, psh, psh. It's a Valentine's party. Like, <laughs> I don't think I realized I needed a dancy hair, dancing, you know, enthusiastic Harry Warden in my life. But here we are. Did, it's not too late. No, not. <laughs> we could we could do this. You know what? I actually saw the remake for the first time this last year in 3D, and it's not bad. It's different. I, I don't think I've ever seen it in official 3D, but you know, like the 2D 3D is is still pretty fine. I, I'm fine with a pickaxe flying right towards my face. Oh yeah, we I have a soft spot for the 2D 3D. We have a VHS copy of Jaws 3D. I'll it's in 2D. I'll never watch it in 3D. It's, same goes with Friday the 13th. I just there's something about the charm of not being able to see it in the format that it's intended. You're, there, but everybody loves a good Dutch angle, <laughs> right? No, there there was something living in the influx of those 3D films back in the 80s, and then. In the uh, the late aughts that we got, it's kind of weird to see all of that just make its like circular pattern as it happens. Now, all that being said, can you tell our listeners at this point where can they find you out all on social media? Uh, please plug and promote away. Yeah, uh, Nightmare on Film Street. We're kind of everywhere. Uh, we mainly hang out Twitter at NOFS Podcast. Uh, Instagram is at Nightmare on Film Street, spelled out. Um, Facebook, Nightmare on Film Street. We also have a Discord. Uh, nofspodcast.com slash discord. Am I forgetting any? I mean, technically we're on TikTok. We don't really use it all that We much. don't really TikTok. We we tried to TikTok, but I think we aged out of that real quick. <laughs> that sounds like uh, I'm going to get, I'm going to tell you all to get off my yard. I know what it technically <laughs> is, but I'm like, uh, the, the kids and their TikToks, I don't get it. Are we supposed to dance? What are we supposed to do? <laughs> are we doing the Harry Warden? Do the Harry. <laughs> are we doing the Harry Warden? <laughs> Okay. We should start that. I feel like that's a TikTok. <laughs> so if you go back there, seriously, we and this is just going behind the curtain here. We've got a whole thing about doing the Freddy. There's this song called Freddy and the Dreamers, right? Mm-hmm. It was like in the 60s. And this guy was like, with your hands in the air, if you don't really care, do the Freddy, right? <laughs> and so... Later on, come like like one of those like weird boutique. You know, back in the day when they had like the Nightmare on Elm Street call center, or you can call them in like Freddy's Nightmare Show for you, and merchandising <laughs> gone wild. Well, they said they had Elm Street's greatest hits, and they bought the rights to that song, and it's this like weird, weird version. With your hands in the air, if you just don't care, it's the Freddy, and they just have this random ass sound bite of a Freddy sound like in the middle going. <laughs> and that's the whole thing. Do the Freddy. Oh, that's amazing. Can I, yeah. tell, can I tell you right now? I, I'm pretty sure we have it on vinyl. <laughs> uh, you know what? We no. That's he does. Yep, he does. So like we listen to that, but we've come to notice that like you know each slasher has their own dance and their own and their own like saying. So, so like there's there's one for Jason because in uh in when he goes to Manhattan, if you listen closely, he laughs. He does. He fucking laughs when he's killing. So he's like, so do the Jason. Right? So now do do the Harry. 
I don't know. I, we got, what he doesn't really. He laughs crazy at the end. Beer opening. Yeah. Just like Do this. the hand. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm a bigger fan of doing the pinker myself because then it's in all the slide. Yeah. The the, the pinker is like. Argh! He's just grumbling, but he has a dance where his like just leg kind of just slides around. <laughs> so. So. We need more horror villains with their own dances. Right. Yeah. We need more dance crazes. We do. We do. We need more. Do the Freddies. <laughs> so I've. Oh, it's kind of it's Pavlovian at this point. It's actually I'll even throw it a little call and response just to bait him occasionally, <laughs> which is really bad. But that is actually one of the things I've really enjoyed with the podcast is the chemistry between you two. And I think a lot of that stems from the fact of, you know, your your relationship, as it turns out. But uh, any of our uh, first time listeners that are not familiar with the podcast, how did it come together? Um, what is kind of the origin of the Nightmare on Film Street podcast? Yeah, we uh, we initially started the podcast about five years ago. Um, John and I are married and uh, we've been together forever and we've always enjoyed watching horror movies and it was something that we used to do kind of independently before we got together and we kind of realized like horror seems to be such a really independent hobby. It's something that a lot of people do alone because it's kind of like an outcast hobby. It's something that um, you know we kind of got into when we were too young and you know like if your siblings didn't like horror and your friends didn't like horror you didn't really have anybody to talk to about it and um now I think there's such a great space in the podcast sphere. There's so many different horror podcasts. And uh, ours, we try to keep super casual, super fun, super light, and just be, you know, that thing that you were missing when you were growing up. It's just, just somebody to talk to about horror. And so we just kind of like are just friends hanging out, talking about the movie we just watched. And that's the whole point. It's just an hour-long conversation talking about the movies we love because it's not really something we got to do previously. Yeah, it was always fun when you were able to get like your entire friend group together to go see a horror movie and you all grab a drink afterwards and talk about it. Uh, and, like, you know, thankfully we were always able to do that with each other. But we would, you know, always meet our friends that were single that liked horror or were in relationships that liked horror, but their their husband or wife did not like it whatsoever. And, like, you could really feel them just, like, so happy to finally talk to somebody about horror movies and you know, we, we created the podcast to try and to widen that net. So everybody's got somebody that they can sort of sit down and talk to about horror. And just make it like completely accessible too, because I find that when you get, especially nowadays with the internet, that it, it feels almost hard to get into a fandom because there's almost like, um, like a, a height requirement. Like you have to, <laughs> you have, you haven't seen all the Friday the 13th movies and you haven't seen this. And with ours, it's just like, it's so much fun to watch movies for the first time with oh, somebody because yeah. you get to experience it with them. So, like, we love we love discovering new stuff through the podcast. We get recommendations from people who know more about horror than we do. And uh, it's just, like, this fun smorgasbord of, like, new newcomers to the genre and, like, experts who are just loving to talk about these movies. And, yeah, it's just about finding movies and rewatching them and just celebrating horror in general. I think people should be happy that they haven't seen movies like Suspiria or Drop Dead Fred. Like if it's yes. if, if you haven't seen a movie, that's great. I'm so jealous of you because like I wish I could see all of these movies again for, for the, the first, first time. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never. I always encourage people not to lie about seeing a movie because like if you see it for the first time with a group of people, your only choice is to is to pretend like you've seen it before. Like yeah, no, I love this movie. Like all those things. I've Everything seen before, that happens so is so great. good. Yeah. <laughs> You know that one thing with the dude, the stuff, and it happens and he dies? Yeah, yeah I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that. No, right. no, we, we 100% hear you. I like your theory and I'd like to subscribe to your newsletter. No, that's, uh, <laughs> that, no, I, I, yeah, that's, 
we more people need to talk about horror and yeah i i 100 dig that well and I, like you mentioned it's a celebration and i we also are on that tip where you need to be able to when the when we host movies we always ask who's here celebrating by watching a movie for the first time because we want it to be a celebration because it's so much fun i've watched yeah. movies by myself and experienced it one way and then, you know, watched it with a crowd, see it in another, which, you know, it just totally changes the thing. But that first time viewing, though, oh, it's so magical. So, yeah, I'll report on the interwebs how the drop dead Fred goes. So and speaking right of <laughs> and this is going to be my first time uh, watching Pet Cemetery too. So, yeah, perfect. Well, speaking of first times here, let me find out. We always ask any first time viewers, what is their horror origin, um, i.e., you know, what was it that got you into horror? Was it a, a movie, a moment, a book, a relative? But, you know, what was it that made you look at it and go, ah, I can get into that? What's your crime alley? <laughs> you want to go first? Sure. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of boring. It's just like horror has just kind of always been around. Like my dad was, both of my parents liked horror movies. Uh, I don't know that it was like every single night they're watching The Shining. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like my dad was always reading Stephen King books. Horror was just there. And at the time that we grew up, we had Are You Afraid of the Dark and Goosebumps. Yes. So, like, it was just, it was always there. It was always around. There was always plenty of it, even as a kid. But never, I never really realized that, like, I was a horror fan until I grew up and discovered that other people weren't. Um, but I think if there's, like, one particular movie that, like, really stuck with me, it's probably Terminator 2. My dad uh, my dad tried showing it to me, and I broke down crying in the opening <laughs> credits. I, I don't know how old I was. I was probably like five or six. Just like some of like all the fire and the red eyes from that robot. I couldn't handle it. Couldn't It just destroyed me. And then, you know, of course, my mom's like, look what you've done to our son, you know? But, uh, but then it, it became like my dad's mission to like find a way for me to watch that movie, and he would just show me scenes. Like, hey, here's this cool special effect, and then I'm going to tell you how they did it. And then I realized that movies were things that people made, and they weren't real, and I think that's kind of where it all started. Goosebumps, Terminator 2, Stephen King. All right. <laughs> that works. Uh, my intro to horror was kind of, it was really weird because it, has, it doesn't really have anything to do with actually watching movies. I was very, very little, and I used to just play with, like, our VHS cabinet. And I was so, so fascinated by two movies in particular, based on their VHS covers alone. Um, Silence of the Lambs with the, the, the moth on the cover and oh, the mouth and the face. Like, kid me did not understand it at all. And I was like, what is this? And um, it's the original 1990 miniseries with Pennywise, like, ripping the cover and hanging out on the corner of the box. And I don't even think I was old enough to understand, like, oh, videotapes go in the VCR and they are the thing that's on the TV. Like, at that point, I was probably only watching, like, Mr. Dress Up and Sesame Street. And uh, finally, now, I'm really lucky in that I'm the youngest, so I got to watch things way, way, way too early. And so uh, when I first watched, it was It, uh, the 1990 It, with Tim Curry as Pennywise. I was probably, like, five or six, way too young, and it destroyed me destroyed me so bad like i did not sleep at night like no toes over the edge of the covers scared <laughs> and uh i've been hooked ever since <laughs> man i can't even imagine like you know hey want a balloon and just like freaking out being that because i remember seeing that being like maybe not nine or ten and freaking the fuck out but well, that's interesting well, that like fine. silence of the lambs was like calling you well i think it's funny john yeah, like psychological i don't know why <laughs> 
<laughs> Would you watch me? I'd watch me. <laughs> I'd watch me. <laughs> You'd watch me so hard. <laughs> well, all I can say is, John, you were spared the visage of one Arnold Schwarzenegger's backside, probably maybe two minutes <laughs> later. So maybe you were spared that. And then, Kim, well, obviously, did this put you towards or against clowns for a while? Um, You know, I, I don't know if I'm afraid of clowns. I, I don't really like anybody in a suit. I was I was very not big on Santa Clauses. I guess that's kind of like a clown relation. I really like you could not get me near any of those like Disneyland creatures and I, I wanna see somebody's real face. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Make sure they have a soul. Anyways, you don't see his face. <laughs> All I know is I didn't know that I wanted a Santa clown, but I do now. I think a Santa <laughs> clown it's like the best of two worlds is just Halloween idea. Oh, that's a lot of therapy. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, that's going to be rad. That's a lot of therapy. That sounds that's, terrifying. Yeah, that's, I know. It's wonderful. <laughs> so when we uh, extended the invite out, you guys were so gracious and kind to come on here. So again, thank you for that. But uh, put out a number of films because here in the month of February and through the year as it is, as we always like to do, we want to make sure that we are celebrating women in horror. And... You gave me quite a few ones back here, and it was great because a few of them we've kind of covered on previous episodes, but there was one in particular that we covered in last year's Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament, which was um, Humanoids of the Deep, which, oh, goodness gracious me. (laughs) That is one of those movies that just all the squiddly diddly. Fishly diddly. Fishly diddly, yes. Fishly diddly. So a special shout out to that one, but the one in particular, because I knew genius, it was going to be a first timer for you because I had actually just watched it for the first time last year. So I was really late to the game on it. Yeah. Was Pet Cemetery too. But before we head back to Maine, before we find out if dead is better, I want to make sure, have you all had a chance to check out Mary Lambert's IMDb page? We have, we have not. No. Okay, good, good. Because I always, occasionally we'll do a little research, you know, want to, you know, do a little reverse engineering on some of the films potentially that they're looking at. And it wasn't so much the films that Mary Lambert has directed, but it is the music videos that she directed. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Wait for this. (laughs) And I didn't realize how much of a hand she had in my childhood on MTV. Uh, And Quentin Tarantino's. And, oh oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) So true. A lot of feet videos, or well, there's a there's soliloquies devoted to some of her work. Indeed, we're talking. (laughs) She is got the greatest hits of Madonna. She directed Like a Virgin. Yes. She directed Borderline. Material Girl. She directed the um, La Isla Bonita. Mm -hmm. Like a Prayer. She directed Like a Prayer. Oh, you can, to- right there. you can totally see that in some of the, the, the weirder elements of the Pet Cemetery movie. She yeah. directed the Immaculate Collection from Madonna, the video that they did with it. She directed um, Bobby Brown, My Prerogative. She wow. Janet Jackson's Control. Mm-hmm. She, Damn. Right? Uh, Miss Lambert, if you're nasty. Sheila E's The Glamorous <laughs> Life. Oh, the... The Go Go's, yeah. So it's 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 crazy to think about, and like you said, John, you then once I saw that, I immediately went back and go, oh yeah, you can totally see it in her work, especially in Pet Cemetery Two, a number of scenes included. But oh yeah, uh, quite honestly, we're talking Pet Cemetery Two, and again, you know, being at a first time viewing for Genius, a second time viewing for me, you you cannot 
cannot talk about the original. So what I want to throw to you, John and Kim, what's your background and relationship with the original Pet Cemetery? Uh, I mean, the oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't remember the first time that I saw it. Yeah, I don't remember either. It, it, but that's the thing about a lot of Stephen King stories and like a lot of Stephen King mythos is that the they they become legend when you when you get into Stephen King after kind of the, the release and the hype and stuff. So we kind of grew up already knowing a lot of the Stephen King stories. Mm-hmm. So I don't even remember seeing Pet Cemetery for, for the first time if I didn't already know about the Pet Cemetery itself. Yeah, in Canada, there was a television station that I'm, like I would watch constantly on Sundays because it was just movie marathons, and they would always play Stephen King movies, at least one on Sunday. It was either at Pet least Cemetery- one every day. Yeah, <laughs> Pet Cemetery, Pet Cemetery Two, Needful Things was another one. Christine, yeah. Um, so like I, I grew up with both of these movies, um, and the and the book, like the book was always in my house. I love the cover of the book. I would look at it all the time. I still haven't read it. Probably should. <laughs> I, I, I read the book in middle school, and there was some explicit sexual material that, as a middle schooler, made me giggle, and sadly, yeah. as, a, as a 44-year-old man, still makes me giggle, but <laughs> it was the material that was not included in the, the movie, and it just was one of those films that I always remember had kind of a reputation with it. Uh, when was the last time you watched the original, by any chance? We Ooh. saw it at the drive-in in the summer. Yeah. Like, over the summer. Like, maybe September. Oh, no, it was in October. It was right before Halloween. Nice. And the, our local drive-in, their, their oh, whole concession so cool. area was a pet cemetery. They took uh. they took animatronics from their Halloween animals and, like, skinned them. They looked fucking freaky. Yeah, it was pretty oh. spooky. <laughs> that sounds fucking rad. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's... I appreciate the, uh, you know, the aesthetic and the uh, the ambiance with something uh, like that. Man, I remember my first time I saw Pet Cemetery. You actually, genius, you saw it in the theater, did you not? I did. I, well, I saw half of it of... in the theater. Um, <laughs> I was... When I came, when it came out, my brother was about the age of Gage, and okay. it was right to the point, and I was, I was eh, maybe about 11, 12, something along those lines. And at the scene when Gage just fucking gets it, I was like, oh, it just sent me into this like crying attack. And I was like, I have to leave. I have to get out of here. So I had to get up. I got up and I went to the theater and I had to wait in the concessions just to calm down a little bit. Wow. Like it took me like a half an hour just to compose myself. And I was like, ah, and so like that movie, that movie hits me hard. But like. Since then, I've grown to really love it. I mean, it still doesn't hit me hard. I mean, not, not as hard as, <laughs> but <laughs> but at the same time, it's still an effective and powerful movie. Absolutely. So you then that go that being said, what did you all think about the remake? Or have you have you seen the remake? We oh. have seen the remake. Yeah, totally. Um, I think it's a lot moodier. If that's like got that post two thousands mood. Um. <laughs> One of my favorite aspects is just like the the, the kids in the, the animal masks, masks, yeah, like walking yeah. through the woods and the trail and stuff, and you're just like, whoa, you guys are going real dark with this dead animal cemetery. It wasn't really that scary before. I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a really cool mashup. Uh, we've only seen it the once in the theater. I would like to revisit it. The cast looks great in it, but uh, it's it's kind <laughs> of an interesting. Yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting mashup of both Mary Lambert's Pet Cemetery and Pet Cemetery Two especially in the the end of that remake. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything in case anybody hasn't seen it, but um, like I, I like what they did with it. It's, it's pretty cool looking. 
You guys are 100 percent right about the mask. I love a good parade, but fuck that. If I saw that parade <laughs> going through there, like you guys are on your Random own. children. <laughs> I know wearing freaky masks. I mean, you got the. That's the bad. Anybody, any parade where everybody's wearing weird animal masks. I've seen enough. You're next to know. But let alone in any parade of just creepy children, but you put those two together, it's like Santa Clown. So like, Wait, what kind of funeral is this? <laughs> oh, and the up the update on the Zelda story with the dumb waiter, a plus, mm. real good. Well, and that's something we've kind of it, ingrained within the the DNA of the podcast is just anytime you introduce a dumb waiter in a horror film, bad it's, things yep, are going to happen. Bad news. Love me a dumbwaiter horror. <laughs> <laughs> it it's the or it's the or it's the orange of the Godfather series for for horror movies. <laughs> okay, that's a good. I appreciate that. You know, we can throw a Godfather reference out there occasionally, and you know, especially here on this show, we never get to do that. <laughs> no, I also I really did appreciate the remake because I'm not one of those people that on the on our show we embrace remakes because you know what? Let's see what you got. What can you bring different and. The original still, you know, exists, so it doesn't, you know, erase it. Um, so I was never sacrosanct with the original. I really dig, dig the remake, especially mm-hmm. the thing that got me was, number one, the little girl's performance, which was just frightening. Fuck yeah. But I'm a big texture person, and there's a moment in there when he is combing her hair. And <laughs> okay. he gets it caught in the staple, and oh my god, it is just so unnerving, and I was not ready for it. And even in the uh, the original, there's the the Achilles heel little thing that happens. Oh yeah, tendonitis. Oh oh, and it's just little moments, these little cuts, literally, that are just so effective and just haunting. Which is a roundabout way to get to the subtlety and kind of the adult fare. Of both the original and the remake, because Pet Cemetery 2 is such a different animal than the original. <laughs> it's Gage and Zowie. It, <laughs> no, it's Church and Zowie. That's yeah. what it is. Two different animals. It truly is. And this is the one I am so glad that you all were able to recommend because it is definitely one that I, I is underseen and underrated. And I'm, I know why it was stayed off my radar for a little while. But again, let me throw that out to you. What was your initial interaction with this film? Uh, what is it about Pet Cemetery 2 that made you go, that, yeah, let's let's definitely throw this one in there. Yeah, so like I, I'd watched Pet Cemetery 2 on TV a whole lot growing up. So it wasn't actually until, I'd say, I don't know, a few years ago that I saw a non-edited version that actually had some of the gore, some of the, the weirder stuff that you've seen with Clancy <laughs> Brown. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just, I think I just really like it when a sequel to a movie that I like is nothing like the original, especially when it's the same director, like yes. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Devil's mm-hmm. Rejects. Like, I, I love it when the, the filmmaker is just like, you know what? We already made this movie. We don't need to make it again. Let's go in a completely different direction. And it's, it's and, always bonus points when it's wacky. Yeah. And they're still playing in their own wheelhouse, but they're doing something off the wall that I think if they had a they had brought somebody else in, it wouldn't have been so ambitious or wild. It would have just been like a recut of the first film in a way. So that's how you end up with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2s and the devil, Devil's Rejects and the Clancy Brown eating mashed potatoes with his <laughs> yes, mouth open. Right. <laughs> well, we were talking that Clancy Brown really needs to be involved in everything. everything. And it's like he's that uh, spice that makes everything nice. He's just Clancy he's Brown. Amazing. Mm-hmm. My, um, and he shows up in Promising Young Woman as well, which I love. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And he's, he's a great dad. He, I, I was I was like, I want him to be my dad. And then 
<laughs> on the flip side, with him in this role and this performance, and I'm let's just Maybe go I ahead. I don't want him to be the dad. At least that dad. It's yeah. fucking awful shit going yeah, on. Yeah, he's, he's a good dad. He's a bad dad. Right? But I like the way that you brought it up, that Texas Chainsaw, yep. because this is Texas Chainsaw 2. You know, it, yeah, there's man. still dark shit, but there's odd moments of mirth and levity in it. <laughs> Mix the, the odd and terrible heinous shit. And no mirth or levity exists in the original no. or the remake. <laughs> I mean, they are just so dour and serious. So this is just such a nice, it's a palate cleanser in a way, especially if you were to play these back to back. And I love the fact that it's it's Mary Lambert and it's her doing something completely different. It's just kind of a marvel that it existed. And this came out in uh, 1992. As we all, yeah, OK, you, know, you got it. There we go. I had to make sure on that one. And I won't lie. And I'm going to get this is the only time I'm going to get fairly serious here. But that was around the time that I actually lost my mom to cancer. And so when I, well, and again, you know, everyone goes through everything, but watching it the first time last year, I'm kind of glad I didn't see it during that time because that would have just been way too familiar because sadly I rocked that Edward Furlong haircut for a lot longer (laughs) than I would like to imagine. But even back then, I probably even had it shaved underneath. So I was even more of a shithead than Furlong (laughs) is in this. Um, We've talked, we'll talk more on Clancy Brown, but what was your guys's? In this case, John, this would have been a nice little uh, refresher for the T2 thing there. Actually, it's so funny you say that because while we were watching it last night, I was making all these jokes about how Terminator 2 and Pet Cemetery 2 are two great movies to watch back to back if you want to hear Edward Furlong scream mom a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's that point in his life too, right, where he's hitting puberty, so his voice squeaks when he says it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I know, and that's just it. I was around his age as well, so... You always want the audience surrogate if you could, especially if you're a kid, but it's also way too painful when you realize, yeah, my voice sounds like that too. This is no good. This is no good. Yeah, that always hurts. So genius. I like his, I like his wardrobe. Is probably the other thing. It's a very 1992. Oh, those, those cool jackets kids. and yeah. those like, oversized vests. You're like, you could hide a kitten in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. First and foremost. Fuck that bully. Those bullies were assholes. Why in the fuck would you steal a kitten and run around with that on your bike? That poor little kitty cat? God damn. I'm glad those bullies got every fucking thing that they got. That poor little kitty cat. <laughs> Animal trauma trigger for anyone God in this movie. Oh damn, my goodness. If you think part, part one was bad shit, whole hutches of rabbits are being dismembered before your eyes, dogs are getting shot, and cats are being slaughtered, and then like and then it's not even when they come back and they're dead. They gotta worry about getting fucked up in their taxidermy too, because that like <laughs> my eyes getting popped out of that pug and yeah. shit. I was like <laughs> I, I had completely forgotten about that moment and we, we have a sweet little pug. It's killing it in the room with us. <laughs> When we watched it, it was terrifying. <laughs> I stared at John. I was like, where was the, the pug alert on that? <laughs> yeah, my bad. <laughs> the pug alert. <laughs> no, but... And it's I mean, funny it's a hard cut to a pug getting his eye popped it's, in. Yeah, it's because... And the pug looks <laughs> real. And you think, well, it's Pet Cemetery, It might be. And like... And you're like, holy shit. <laughs> and, and the guy's taking so much glee in that. Well, the taxidermist is in another movie. Well, no, he's into this movie. He's just operating at another level. And he oh, gives okay. like yeah, totally. that crazy Ralph-esque exposition. And I love the fact that the original has become an urban legend to the kids. 
Lore of yes. the cemetery bringing back the kitties. <laughs> it is incredible. So, Genius, this was your first time, correct? Yes. What did you know of the movie? Not, I knew it had Clancy Brown and Edward Furlong, and that's about <laughs> it. And I would imagine that like there would be pets returning from the grave of some sort. <laughs> you know, but pretty much going in blind. And the thing is, I have this movie on a double one of those Pet Cemetery 1, Cemetery 2, and I've had it for a while. I just... Never got around to watch it, but it's. <laughs> I think it kind of threw me off at the beginning because with Pet Cemetery, you're expecting dour, you're expecting sadness and grief and like contemplativeness on what it means to lose somebody, some existential trauma, right? So you're thinking, okay, that's going to come back into play in Pet Cemetery too, and it does to a certain extent. But then you got Clancy Brown, and just going like full ham on shit. And I wasn't, not that I'm saying I wasn't ready for it, but I was like, whoa, that came out of left field out of nowhere. But but it should have been my first clue when like, in the first one it opens Pet Cemetery and very scary and shit, very atmospheric. But this was like Pet Cemetery 2, splat with blood and then it drips down. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Maybe I shouldn't be expecting contemplative, like, grief drama. So <laughs> I went in with that, like, okay, I better switch my gears really quick. So, and it worked, because I enjoyed this movie a lot. No, it, it definitely does a bait and switch. Even within the beginning of the film, a film within a film, which I always kind of appreciate i'm not gonna mm -hmm. lie yeah oh yeah always uh, bonus points for that i love it so much and it, it kind of leaves you like expecting something to return later on in the movie because you're you're following uh like got clancy brown's character as the villain throughout the movie but like all all the while in the back of your head you're just like but mom's dead so mom is she's gotta go in the cemetery right and she dies in this like mary shelley-esque Frankenstein reversal kind of way and it's sort of wonderful <laughs> it's so garish and over the top and I just I'm not gonna lie I just recently watched Bride of Frankenstein for the first time so I always appreciate oh. the Mary Shelley within all that it gave off some new nightmare vibes mm -hmm. <laughs> it played oh, yeah. yeah 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 played a little meta in that aspect but then we see going behind the scenes that Edward Furlong is the son of a horror icon whose parents are in the midst of a divorce, of which the father is played by Anthony Edwards. And there's a whole generation of people that this guy is a couple of people, depending on when you grew up. He could be Goose from Top Gun. He could be <laughs> Dr. Green from ER. He could be uh, Gilbert from Revenge of the Nerds. That's problematic. <laughs> or he could be that guy from Gotcha, if you're going for a particular deep cut. Damn. Now, that being said, were you all familiar with any of those films with Anthony Edwards? I would say I probably was not. <laughs> my, my parents were were very into ER, so that's definitely where I'd probably know him from most. But again, like I, I saw this at an early age, so for me, he's always just been like that a turtleneck, round glass guy. <laughs> the veterinarian. <laughs> yes, I'm so happy then that for someone out there, then he is the vet guy. That is even better. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, this could be like an ER spinoff. You know how, like, when they go, like, when they get, uh, they get their own shows. Clancy Brown was in ER. Yeah, that's right. Yes, oh was. shit! So Anthony Edwards. I bet Edward Furlong probably had a cameo in ER at some point. <laughs> yeah, probably. Anthony Edwards tired of like the hustle and bustle of uh, 
the emergency room. So he decides to open up his little veterinary clinic in Maine. Private practice. Right? (laughs) Shenanigans ensue. So we recently experienced the movie The Untamed. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> we thought we had animal husbandry and all that kind of weird stuff behind us back in January. But sadly, no, we had go. I'll get it. Uh, we had some rabbit sex going on there, which was a little weird out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, you remember that movie, right? Uh, is that the, the cabin Mex- creature? Yeah, the cabin creature squidly diddly movie. <laughs> is the right word. <laughs> I do love that scene where we, we, in the middle of the movie, all of the animals in the forest are fucking, like, every right? single one of them. <laughs> Just a big animal orgy. Like, like if, if Noah's Ark was a swingers cruise. But... <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that the goal, like, when you think about Noah's Ark, though? Like, it kind of is a swingers cruise. It would have to be, right? Because if you only have one of, like, one of each animal, like, if you're going to repopulate, there's going to be some shared chromosomes happening there. That's how we get the platypus. <laughs> just he's just one animal orgy gone wrong. <laughs> no, it doesn't get enough credit for making all the cool animals. Right? Yeah, like narwhals. Who knew narwhals were actually real animals? <laughs> hmm I think that's where the trollologs come from as well. The narwhals and the yeah, that's right where the trollologs come from the bit. <clears throat> but needless to say, I was not prepared for all the bunny sex and all the weirdness that was happening within the confines of that cage. But what's the fucking deal with Mary Lambert killing all the animals on screen? I wrote in my notes multiple <laughs> times, God damn, Mary Lambert. <laughs> like, calm it, you know? I mean, like, because, like, there's a lot of fucking animal trauma in this movie, like, more so than part one. And, of course, with the name Pet Cemetery, you're going to think that you're going to... Right. Well, well, one and two, you expect some animal trauma. And you got it in part one, but... God damn, you got a lot in this one. This is almost cannibal holocaust levels of, like, (laughs) animal violence. Especially because he's skinning those rabbits in front of the other rabbits. Yeah, how rude! I know, that's like insult to injury. That's like, you see what I'm doing? I'm gonna do it to you too, you know? Poor rabbits. (laughs) Was that her homage to um, Lenny and, you know... I, it's not of mice and men with like Clancy Brown. I want to skin the rabbits, George. Ah, you know, <laughs> I can see Clancy Brown as a Lenny, though. Come on, you cannot tell me he could not play that. Yeah, he it, probably did on stage. Sorry, we don't know. We don't know of mice and men. <laughs> that's okay. We haven't that's read it. We haven't seen it. <laughs> we're, we're showing our age here again. This is, this is horrible. This is horrible. We're uh, we're an Ernest Hemingway house over here. Are oh, we? Are we? Are we? <laughs> More of a Clancy Brown household over here, I won't lie. Celebrating his entire catalog from Highlander to friggin' SpongeBob. Because that's what I love is the fact that this man has so... He has another so many amount of entryways that someone could go, oh yeah. Because he's he's kind of a that guy, but he's also kind of a that voice as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. But he's a dick in this movie. I mean, like, I mean, he's a hundred percent dick in this movie. Cause, like, at first you're like, okay, he's the sheriff, cause he's just introducing. He's like, well, you're back in town now, you know. But then when he's like, you remember, I uh, used to be sweet on your mom, Billy, you know. And I'm like, god damn, she just, yeah. 
died at the, the funeral of the day before, and you're telling me again I used to bang his mom? Cut it out. God, because I, I wrote, oh, look, it's Officer Clancy Brown. And then later on, I came back and I wrote, is a dick. Because, like, <laughs> and then the, fact, the matter is, like, okay, so Edward Furlong, you saw that Zowie came back, and he's a lot more heinous than he was before. What do you well, so what should we do now? Hey, I know. Let's bury him. Good idea. I bet he'll come back nice, you know? And he just got significantly more worse in this movie as, as so it went Tim, on. Tim completely disagrees with me on this one, but I think that moment is the first time in both of these movies where the term sometimes dead is better makes the most sense. Like, I, <laughs> I, I really think... <laughs> because that guy is an absolute piece of shit and the world's better if he's dead. I'm not, oh. I'm not saying let's kill him. I'm just saying that in that, in that moment, you're better off to just accept whatever punishment you get for accidentally killing your stepdad. I think that's an interesting interpretation of the phrase, sometimes dead is better, but I think it's also implying that, like, sometimes having a dead relative is better than having an undead relative. And in the case of Gus, um, he's bad when he's alive. So when you bring him back, he's like, we've never had an actual bad one brought back. He was bad before he's now undead bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and on top of that, too, uh, just like compounding my point, I guess, the skipping ahead a lot I, 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 I guess I'll just at least say that when we get to the end I think the dead is better at the end of the film also highlight of the entire franchise it's a really good dead is better Thanks. yeah I think it was it was a really good dead is better it was an underlining like I'm Mary Lambert and I approve this message <laughs> in conclusion You're right better. <laughs> oh, we, we will have a, a moment of who said it better at the very end here. So we've, we've got three to choose from there. But no, I totally agree. It's I think I looking at some of the behind the scenes stuff. But Mary Lambert was mentioning the fact that she wanted to make sure that this was a teenage boy decision. It's very stupid. It's silly. It's not thought out. There's teenage Absolutely. boy logic behind it. And I think also it deals part of the trauma with him dealing with the loss of his mother because there are some things that are being talked on here, but then you also have these crazy dream sequence that are just totally bathed in blue where you have, I think genius, you said a, 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 a fury. It, it, it was a furry and then it became a fury, fury because yeah. like he's over there sitting, <laughs> and like, it's kind of weird because at first for the first time you see the dog headed woman you're like, oh, shit, that's weird. And then it becomes a full-on sex dream of the dog-headed woman. <laughs> and then you're like, what the fuck? Why? No. And then we no. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who's ready for it? Rough. But, <laughs> but, like... <laughs> but it's so... <That's... laughs> Don't you fucking edit it. So it's... <laughs> so it's... <laughs> so it's... <laughs> Podcast job. <laughs> so like it's it's just totally all over the place but that's the thing because you get these very contemplative serious thought, thought serious thought provoking issues for example when the friend was taking Zowie to get buried and he goes even if there was a one in a million shot that it would work wouldn't you try you know and like that goes through all of our heads whether we lose pets or people and then, so you're already contemplating, you're in that mode with the original Pet Cemetery, and you're thinking, well, you know what, maybe I would, but I don't know if they're coming back more fucked up, you know? Yeah. And then it goes into the weird sex dreams with dog heads and shit. <laughs> and you're like, what is going on? 
And I, but I think, okay, we're going again all over the place in That's spoilers. Fine, yeah. I think the one thing where I was not totally ready for this movie was during the Clancy Brown chase scene with the mom and the kid. <laughs> yeah. Because, because it's full on like, <laughs> they have like chase music going on there and it's mirthful because he's over there going <laughs> right and they're like run run we gotta get out of here and then you're like okay it's fun and then boom it's not fun because it's a horrific violent death and you're like god damn that's rough and then the next scene <laughs> you're like whoa breakneck speed with that one and then the potatoes and then mashed eating mashed potatoes i wasn't ready for that that quick of like yeah i liked it you know it was a but it was one of those scenes where it was one of those like awkward laughs where i'm like oh shit <laughs> i shouldn't be laughing at this because this is a serious shot and they're decapitated but like right before clancy brown's like i'm gonna get them duke boys so it's <laughs> well, I guarantee you, this is yeah, one no, of those he's twisted and maniacal, especially in that scene, because he's uh, like it's just the smile on his face, the slow roll oh. down of the window, and the wave. Mm-hmm. Just, every everything about it is gold. Uh, and then, is... yeah, like it's it's real effective too when they get hit by that truck, and it's just like the there's like two quick tiny insert shots of mom and the kid just like lunging towards right. the camera, like you're pov on the windshield it's it's crazy it is good. a really like I, I would say that that's probably the roughest moment of the movie that's otherwise i mean apart from all all the animal deaths uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty dark because we don't revisit those characters at all like um gus clancy he goes on such a tear at the end of the movie he's reviving the bully he's reviving yes. dead mom but like not his current wife or stepson. Yeah, right? That's what's so evil about him. Like, wow, he really wanted those two dead. <laughs> and to stay dead. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's oh, he's newly single dark. and undead, so he's got like a lot on his plate there. There are Yeah, he... I think he's uh the, the the way we described it last night is that uh the Clancy Brown as Gus in this movie is dead and loving it. <laughs> <laughs> well, even the glee he takes with the motorcycle death on the bully and cuz he's fucking yeah. with him he's like I'm eh? just fucking well, eh? he even, he even eh? says it. <laughs> I'm just And then it's just like whoops. It gets by accident, right? Like the right. scarf gets caught folks and just grinds his face right the fuck off <laughs> I, even, I even was noting like check off scarf there because i was like that scarf is way too luxurious you, not to come into play somehow you throughout said the, it was very hoovian it was very hoovian i thought maybe he was a time lord potentially but not time, time lord bully he's over there like fucking around other people's like so i'm hitting yourself with like all eight arms of some sort of weird monster I'd probably watch it. My favorite part of all of that is the wide shot that we get uh, from the reaction of, uh, of of Drew. And you can really, really see the prosthetic is just split open. Like, it's nothing like what the bully looks like at the end of the movie. Because what's left is completely unusable. <laughs> it's fucking mush. Like, Clancy Brown should be like, I'm not... <laughs> well, and what was it, the weird tonal shift? Because even in the original, we saw um, Church Comes Back, Nasty Cat. Gage comes back, all sorts of messed up. The dog Zowie comes back, but he's somewhat like you can take him to the mobile vet. Like I can't imagine <laughs> you could have done that with Church. And then when Gus comes back, he again he's doing the the green peas bit. He's doing his like f- tight five. It's like what happened to Gus? He came back kind of sinister, but a little off. So I don't know yeah, if like it's apart from the, na- the gaping neck wound. I mean, he's he's 
kind of being pretty much Gus as usual. Right. It's almost like they hit fast forward on the abusive stepdad. Like, we all know it's going to get worse, but, like, we just, we bury him, and, like, now we're five years in the future when he is absolutely awful. <laughs> it's just, because he sure as fuck got worse, and then that weird, like, when his neck was coming out, that weird, like, Custard's my favorite. Oh. The whole dead alive sh- dinner scene. They're, so gross. there are a lot of fluids in this movie. It yeah. is very fluidy. It's very juicy. But here's my question: because they made it a point in the movie, you're supposed to bury your own, right? So who buried the bully? If he buried the bully, did he come back? Did the bully come back even more messed up? Like when you make a copy of a copy? Hmm. That's that's a really good point, though, about um, about the bully. Um, because yeah, that does kind of like contradict a few things, doesn't it? Possibly, but it also could just be, you know what? I mean, uh, I en- I enjoyed when the bully came back because I knew he he needed another foil. You know what I'm saying? Like if he's going around bringing back all these other people, of course he's going to bring back the bully. Well, and even then, his he gets multiple comeuppance at this point. He gets the face full of tire from Gus, and then the mouth full of wire. From freaking tire and wire, yeah, yeah, it totally it's it totally <laughs> works. But he needed to fucking get it too. That bully was a piece of shit. Well, and then I this is again go back to Tom Hanks's big, but that kid played Tom Hanks's best friend in that movie. So to see him to go from this you know just just adorable rast roundabout to just this terrifying evil nasty kid that the scene with him driving on the bike and he takes the kitten out and screams at the kitten. I think that was the point that I was like, nope, nope, he's got to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he did at least put the kitten in the little birdcage at the pet cemetery. Yeah. So, I mean, he does, he does get some brownie points for not actually murdering the kitten and just being like a weenie bully. That's... And uh, he's definitely, the scarf thing, he's definitely wearing a scarf that mom knit him, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, uh, even better if he's a secret mama's boy. That would be the icing on the cake. Like fucking Jimbo. <laughs> Watching like the young and the restless and shit. Yes. <laughs> no, kind of going through here and making sure, um, talking about Clancy Brown, just the, the, the nastiness of Clancy. Now, originally, they were going to try to spin off and try to follow the further adventures of Ellie mm-hmm. from the original, but they just couldn't make it work. So they ended up going a different route, bringing in a new family. And like I said, I enjoyed the urban legend-esque tale that goes with the original, but just the fact oh, yeah. that we have this continue. Oh, the shot of the Pet cemetery this time when they're walking away and just that you see that lovely shot that it looks like, I don't know if they had a helicopter or what, but that one or as it goes away, just such a great establishing shot. The production design, super scary, but also super impressive. Yeah, and you definitely get to see kind of the scope of the the rock that they're hanging out on. Like, it is really in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The ground is sour up there. (laughs) The ground is sour. You know, I'm kind of happy that we don't have any of that in Pet Cemetery 2, though. Like, oh, the... No, there's no soil as sour as the soil in a man's heart or whatever. John like, hates Stephen King mantras. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, you know, whatever. You know, it's, it's fine. It's... He picks the post and something goes to one side. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is the worst one. Anyway, I don't know what his thing is about. All, all work, no play makes Jack a dull boy. Like, it's, it's in everything. Like, he's got these, like, little mantras, and uh, I, just, I just don't like it. <laughs> I was going to say, we, we have no part of John's hate of this. In fact, any of you Stephen King fans are going to come after him. 
<laughs> we're, we're on your guys' side. No, I agree, and that's just it. It's those really opinions expressed are uh, are not on my junkhead. <laughs> we th- we thank the God we're on the pod, but yet no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's those Stephen King idiosyncrasies that he throws in that just it's yeah. But see, there's no time for that in this movie. Well, and there's, there's no time for well, for like moral lessons and shit because there's no Stephen King in this movie this was not co-written by him so at this point it's totally deviated from that and then going back to having Lambert uh, Mary Lambert have wanting Ellen and bring it up I think that would add a little bit different but I think the reasoning they wanted to make the teenage boy stupid because if you're like hey let's bury him again that's something a teenage boy would like think about you know not saying that like teenage girls don't do stupid things but there's definitely an uneven balance when it comes to stupidity in the teen years so (laughs) i was just thinking that uh this didn't occur to me while i was watching it but like well something you mentioned earlier made me think about it like maybe uh you know drew is so quick to bury his dog because of that one in a million chance because he's already lost his dad and he's maybe thought about it'd be great if i could have my dad back Maybe Zowie is like a gift his dad gave him. Oh. Like he did this, I am building backstory that is not in that movie whatsoever. But like to have fucking guts, shoot your John Wick dog. I know. <laughs> fuck that. You know John Wick really needed a pet cemetery. It's really Can nice to save so many lives. <laughs> no, yeah, that was like I really wanted Gus to die, like multiple deaths <laughs> as soon as he shot Zowie. I was like, you were. A- dick and then just like yeah well he should he should have listened fuck you dude oh that's the scene where zowie's like dying and and drew's hanging out with him in the woods <sighs> that like rock opera is playing like i saw you fading away <laughs> i was like i could not handle it like i was one the song was like i was living for it but two like it was so sad that little actor dog was doing his best <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, like, I'm so happy we started this by talking about Mary Lambert's music video credits as well because this movie the music the music is soundtrack. nuts. Yeah, there there are some fucking needle drops in this movie. Oh, so good. No, it's I I totally agree, and there is something about that mixture of melancholy and metal that, given the <laughs> given the right amount, can make you cry and just like and laughter and fear and kind of and occasionally on the funny as well. What did uh, Dustin say? It was a mix of MASH and 18 to Life. It, <laughs> it was really weird. It was an awkward combination. But quite honestly, though, and this is where looking at, again, her background, the fact that she was friends with the Ramones, I really enjoyed the soundtrack employed in this one. But the end song, especially, I don't know if it compares to the original. I enjoyed it. But that original one, man, that's just kind of an all timer. It is a little sad that it, that we don't have Pet Cemetery on the credits. Like, it's nice that we have a Ramones track, mm-hmm. but Pet Cemetery would have been better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Play it again. <laughs> but we did get an memorandum at the end too. Oh, that that was. I kind of yeah. So I was curious when this was the right time to bring up because that is like the one thing in this movie that I'm like, I don't know what you're fucking doing. Here. Yeah, I loved it though. It was so cheap. Well, it, honestly, it was... at the end of it said based on a true story, then it would have made complete sense. <laughs> I was just waiting for instead of the remote in the arms of the pet cemetery, you know, because it had all these yep. like all your favorite stars, boom, 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 you know. And well, it was very jarring, and I was like, "What the fuck? What?" Because it didn't, 
it didn't really add anything. It's just like we we've just seen them die. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> yeah like oh, okay. And then it leads everything into the finale where much like in the original we've got a house ablaze. Here we do as well, but we've got such a stage show shut up from the the mom coming back and which genius you initially were like, "Man, she looks really good for being dead." But of course, oh, yeah. she's in the business. She knows the tricks with the horror makeup right. and stuff, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> there's there's something to be said about that. But then it's reverse reverse gruesome. <laughs> but then you get the interplay of Gus and his comeuppance finally with Anthony Edwards' character, and you get the inclusion of a line. What was it? A no brain, no pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which you know what? You kind of need a little bit of a catchphrase there potentially. I'm all for that, Gus. And then a pretty horrific headshot as well. There's, so there is your John Wickian aspect, I believe. And a lot of eye trauma. <laughs> there, yeah, well, a little Italian yeah. goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because there's even like the, the smashed mirror where she stabs the, 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 the assistant that's the, definitely going to become a girlfriend, that's definitely going to become new mom. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, she wanted to become new mom. She she's wore wearing her clothes and shit. Yeah. yeah, right? And the first thing Edward Furlong says is, you're not my mother. See, he knew what <laughs> her <laughs> intentions <laughs> were. From the get-go, when the the single the moment the dress comes out of the box, I'm surprised she didn't just drop everything and get into it. I mean, it was awkward, and that's the li- those are the little moments that actually I like with a movie like this, where the gore pieces are wonderful, the character actors are great, but it's those little awkward moments. It was single white pet cemetery. It could have been. <laughs> <laughs> that would have indeed. Yeah, there again, there was a moment toward the end where like. Uh, I, I had to kind of defend it a little bit to him. Like, why the fuck is this assistant still here? This is bullshit. Oh, why is she here? What's happening? And I'm like, Bring back mom. I'm like, oh, you don't know. Like, because it makes for such a perfect moment when mom shows up. Because the whole idea is that, like, the entire movie is Edward Furlong trying to get his parents back together. And, like, the, the thing that crushes him most when his mom dies is that his parents were just about to get dinner. And there was, like, a level of hope to it, right? Like, hey, you think maybe you and dad could get back together? And it's kind of like a, we'll see. Like, maybe He's trying to parent trap them? <laughs> kind of, right? Like, the, the relationship wasn't completely dead. But uh, but once it was, he found a way to to bring it right the fuck back. It's, it's real good. No, it's, it's pretty incredible. Which leads us, finally, to who said it better? In which case, we've got a catchphrase with this film. We don't need no brain, no pain. We've got dead is better. Genius, give us a couple of variations on that. Dead is better. Uh, and what do you mean, another couple of variations? Well, and then you, that's very much the Fred Gwynn. And then we've got a John Lithgow. Sometimes dead is better. Nah, I got to work on my Lithgow. Yeah, the Lithgow, definitely. But then you've got the mom that throws it out there as well. So I'm going to throw it out to you, Kim and John. Who said it better? Do we have Fred Gwynn, John Lithgow? Or the mom from Pet Cemetery 2? I mean, I think I have already given my answer away. Like, I'm definitely going mom. Mom's, mom is great, but, like, the, the the main role in the original Pet Cemetery, like, you cannot beat that. You are talking about an accent and not a phrase, though, right? <laughs> that is better. <laughs> oh, just like, he's like, he's finally got his mom back. She's on fire. She's fucking melting. Okay. Stay with me. That is better. Come on. It's pretty good. My, my impression was awful, but. <laughs> it was all in the hands. I appreciated it. <laughs> do the mom from Pet Cemetery. <laughs> Genius, what do you think? Oh, Fred Gwynn. Oh, anytime you can have Herman Munster say anything, yeah, go for it. Dead okay. is better. You know, even though it's like a Stephen King mantra, you know, it's <laughs> said by Fred Gwynn. It's got to take a little bit of that sting out. You know, <laughs> It is good. 
I, I will I will at least admit that it is very good. Well, and then I guess I got to give one, a little love to John Lithgow because I don't think anyone gives him any love because it was a little stale. I won't lie. He should have said something a little more along the lines of his Doctor Lazardo. If he was <laughs> dead, is better, monkey boy. Right, dead <laughs> is better. You know something very John Lith- <laughs> John Lithgowy. Shakespearean. Right. Actually, okay, I you will tell. Oh no, mm-hmm. believe me. Go back and check out Ricochet with John Lithgow and Denzel Washington. It's fucking nuts. They're... Oh, Ricochet? Yeah, yeah, 100%. John Lithgow is so crazy mm-hmm. in that movie. He says some the things. The alone is bizarre. It's the... <laughs> you could put together an amazing John Lithgow film festival and not even touch like the classy stuff, like the world according to Garp. You could go all genre and make it just fantastic. Oh yeah, cliffhanger, raising cane, ricochet. You got it. You got a good night in. Kim, real quick, just want to let you know. In ricochet, Denzel Washington arrests John Lithgow, puts him in jail. John Lithgow, it breaks him, and he's like, "I'm gonna get revenge. I'm gonna ruin that guy's life." And one of the "I'm gonna ruin that guy's life" is kidnapping him, handcuffing him to a bed, and getting a sex worker who is what? who has STDs to sleep with to rape him. Yep. So that way, mm-hmm. now he's got STDs that he gives Denzel gives back to his wife and stuff. It's what? It's yep. wild. And then he gives the <laughs> wife the footage. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's. What is it? And that's after he uh, after he man on man beats Jesse the Body Ventura in a, a prison fight with swords. <laughs> Ice T's in it, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this movie you got it. <laughs> I'm kind of sold, but also like, should I never see this movie ever? <laughs> it. You really need to experience it it's because great. There are some lines from John Lithgow in this film involving. Uh, dental floss that will haunt your dreams i'm just telling you right now it is pretty next level actually we're bringing this full circle here because like that tv channel that i was talking about in canada watching pet cemetery uh needful things that's where i saw ricochet (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) i watched a lot of movies growing up and it was mostly on that one channel it had everything That is beyond amazing. That is beyond amazing. So let's go ahead and wrap this up here. Final thoughts, gang, on Pet Cemetery 2. I legitimately have enjoyed now watching it twice within, you know, the past year. Knowing what to expect was awesome, but watching it alongside one genius McGee to hear him react to those set moments, as we have said throughout, just a lot of WTF moments was kind of amazing. Uh, Genius? I really enjoy this movie. Uh, Do I enjoy it? more than the original i can't say that i have i do but mm-hmm. it's two totally different movies mm-hmm. it's it's when i'm not in the mood for pet cemetery i could probably be ready for pet cemetery too it's just lighthearted enough just mean enough just clancy brown enough <laughs> to be extremely entertaining despite all the repugnant ass shit that goes on in the movie agreed, agreed. <laughs> john kim yeah the movie is just so bonkers and wild and and especially like coming from the first movie to the second movie, there's such a jump in like just weird and wild antics that um, the, the undead characters are 10 times as crazy and zany <laughs> and coming from little Gage and his like tuxedo and like, ow, it's, it's Boom. wild that you, you can build <laughs> off of that. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I will say, I like Pet Cemetery two more than I like Pet Cemetery one, and maybe maybe it is because it's so zany and and whatnot. But like I got I I got like another hour of stuff that I could talk about with this movie. <laughs> we didn't even talk about the sort of like fantasy sequence <gasps> where where Edward Furlong goes to bury his mom. I fucking love that. Or or Clancy Brown 
who, you know, like, why did you bury my wife, Gus? He's because I wanted to fuck her. Like, the whole movie is like a weird love triangle between Gus, um, Turtleneck Dad, and and, then, and Edward Furlong's mom. Because, like, even even before she gets buried in the pet cemetery, he's talking about how right. like, I used to, I took it a prom. We were sweethearts. It's like, the woman is dead. You guys do not have to have a pissing contest over her. <laughs> I know, especially at the funeral. <laughs> that was the first thing, you know. Your mom was a real hellcat back in the day. It's like, goddamn Clancy Brown. You're the only motherfucker in this town with an accent. You're milking it for everything you got, telling this poor kid that his mom died. And she was like, a good lay. He's like, what the hell? Goddamn Clancy. talk about that. He is the only one with an accent in this movie. And he's giving it, though. Like, he's doing yeah. a great job. Yeah, he does. He fucking gives it his all in this one. It's, it's Clancy Brown. I mean, There's basically two requirements for this movie. I mean, apart from, like, regenerating people in the pet cemetery, is you need the accent, and you also need somebody to die by truck, which happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, they filled that quote up. Man, the practical <laughs> effects in this movie oh. so much ass. Oh, so good and gory, very gory. I wasn't, so I wasn't expecting the level of gore because I mean, we got gore in the original, but like not a lot. Very, very off screen and like more, more atmospheric. This one was like, hey, we got some money and we got some blood. Let's do some wacky shit. And it, yeah, we're gonna melt a woman's face and blow up a kid's head with electricity. And a pile of massacred kittens. Oh yeah, a whole pile. Right. I mean, the head explosions like in the first five minutes. The whole pile, the poor pile of kittens. Oh. Chekhov's box of kittens. Oh God yeah. damn, Zowie! <laughs> I never turned on a dog so quick because like you before <laughs> before he died, he was a good dog. You know that that's the power of the pet cemetery. And again, okay, here's another thing. If you know the pet cemetery is evil, I mean, I'm not normally nit picky and shit but like <laughs> there's some things that i'm like not that it's stuck on my craw but i was like you know if you know the pet cemetery is evil and it brings back people why would you make a garden path to it <laughs> you know what i'm saying and keep it not, well not just why would you tell a grieving father about it like why would you garden it <laughs> right i mean there now, was want you to go reanimate your dead child but if you were i'll tell you how to get there not saying not saying you should but if you turn right at the old oak tree and then you follow the path that we left out there go past the wall now if you've gone to the tree that looks like a skeleton you've gone too far yeah you gotta bury your own park the body in the graveyard you know <laughs> We should have done this voice the whole podcast. Ah, that would have been good, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'm getting old. I don't know how long I can do that. I can't even do it well (laughs) for one time there. Genius, I think, would pass out about 15 minutes in. (laughs) (laughs) No, it couldn't have been any worse than when the Ian McShane versus... um, Jason Statham. Jason Statham, so... (laughs) Well, fun. Yeah, it was. Well, <laughs> until I needed like Ricola at the end. <laughs> oh wow! What have you done here, boys? Yeah, like know, before we uh, <laughs> before we wrap up too much, I want to I want to thank you guys for having us on the show and giving us uh, giving me an excuse to talk about this movie again. I think this is the second time that I've watched this movie this year. I really like that cemetery. <laughs> I'm in the same boat with you, man. And I was I was ang- and I I picked up the Blu-ray from Scream Factory. And I'm going to be watching it again specifically for the commentary track that Mary Lambert, you know, threw down. And I should also say a movie I watched for the first time, speaking of women in horror and directors, is a film called The Being from 1983, directed by Jackie Kong. And I don't know, have you all seen Blood Diner by any chance? Actually, I 
haven't seen we blood haven't diner. seen blood diner it's been on my watch list forever we yeah. need to check it off this month it, it you, looks so fun if you want madcap and oh zany, my goodness gracious you cannot beat that movie but if you want something that's more right of a then. serious monster movie she actually put that out i re i had to watch it on youtube just because i was having a hard time finding it and i was complaining about the lack of a blu-ray just this today, they announced Kino Lorber is putting it out on Blu-ray, oh, hey. like with all the, the specs and everything. So I'm just so happy with that. So it's just those little things. But again, you know, continuing to celebrate women in horror, just, you know, the contributions that are put out there. And again, celebrating it year round, of course, as we always try to promote, celebrate it whenever you all want. That's the main thing. As long as we are celebrating, mm-hmm. that's the key word there. We don't care when anyone does it. Oh, you'll be buried in the Pet Cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> So sincerely, you guys, thank you so much for the taking the time to talking, giving number one him the excuse to watching it for the first time, and me to buy a Blu-ray, which is always good. Uh, again, where can our listeners find you guys out on the social medias and out in the interwebs? Yeah, uh, Nightmare on Film Street, the podcast. You can get it wherever you're getting this podcast. We're on uh, <laughs> all the podcast catchers and uh, Twitter and at NOFS Podcast on Instagram at Nightmare on Film Street. And uh, if you want to check out John and I individually, I'm at Kimmy Kill Zombie, basically everywhere on social media. And I'm John on a string everywhere on social media. Perfect. And I'll be, I'll be honest, I'll be looking forward to tomorrow's episode. <laughs> now, that being said, next week here, Genius McGee. The madness begins! Oh, yes, it does. Our fifth Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament begins anew. Fuck yeah! Celebrating 32 films from the past 40 years of horror. And then, oh, goodness gracious. After that, we've got so much more to show you. So Mm -hmm. until the next time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you you in in your your dreams. dreams. Oh, oh, oh.